Life Audio. The kingdom of God is for those who have hearts set on the Lord. It's not for perfect people. It's for people who are willing to say, I want this God to be my God. I want to follow this God. I'm going to do it imperfectly. I'm going to stumble. But along the way, I can keep following the light of Christ. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole. I'm so glad to be your host today and for us to journey through the Bible together. We are in a series on the women in Jesus's lineage that we find in Matthew chapter one as we anticipate the joy of our Savior's birth. This is an opportunity to dive deep and to ask the question, why in the world did God put these five women and call them out specifically and specially within Jesus's genealogy as we prepare for his birth. We're going to be exploring that as we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. But before we do, I want to let you know that our team has a little Christmas present for one of you and actually for a couple of you. And we're excited for that. We have a book called Lineage of Grace. It's by Francine Rivers. It's a story of these women. It's Francine Rivers' rendition of sort of fiction of each of these women's stories. And if you have not read Francine Rivers, she is absolutely one of my favorite authors. She is a best-selling New York Times best-selling author. She has written many, many incredible books and works of Christian fiction. And Lineage of Grace is about these five stories that we are talking about over these last few weeks. And she just brings them to life in such a beautiful way that honors God and really helps you be inspired and be full of your own imagination when it comes to the stories of the Bible. So we want to send you this book as a special gift and a thank you uh, for listening. And we're going to do that by sending it to someone on my Christmas list. So if you go to NicoleUnis.com slash Christmas, I have a Christmas Eve liturgy for you that you can use with your family and your friends around the table if you'd like. But if you put your name in there, you will be entered in to win Lineage of Grace. That's all you have to do. We'll respond to you there. If you're already on that list or if you're already on my email list, you don't have to do anything. You're already entered to win. So we're excited to send that along to you again. That's NicoleUnis.com slash Christmas. And that's in your show notes as well if you want to go head over there. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. 
Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Okay, we are on to Ruth today. We have looked at Tamar. We have looked at Rahab. And now we are turning to the book of Ruth. Obviously, this story is beautiful and complex and nuanced, but we're just going to look at a little piece of it today and ask the question, what do we think God's doing when he includes and lets us know that Ruth is part of Jesus's lineage? So we're going to be in Ruth chapter one, verses 15 through 18, if you'd like to read along or I'll read it to you. Let me just give you a little context because this is a really, really beautiful story and it's hard to pick up if you don't know what we're doing right here. So what's happened so far is that Ruth, there's kind of three main characters in this story that we want to know about Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. So Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law and Ruth and Naomi and their families have been living outside of Israel, outside of Bethlehem, and they're they've just hit very, very hard times. And Naomi's sons have both died. And so now Naomi has two daughters-in-law who are Moabites. They're not Israelites. And she is going back to Bethlehem. She's going to, she's impoverished. She's a widow. She has no options. And so she's headed back to her hometown. And we pick up the story there. And this is what we hear in verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her God's Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Okay, let's walk through our Bible study today and ask ourselves the question first and foremost, what does this say? What's happening in this passage? What questions do we have? Obviously, there's intrigue. We want to know where they're going and why did Ruth, why did Naomi not want Ruth to go with her? Number one, we want to know that. We probably, hopefully, are getting hooked into the story. We want to know what's going to happen next. And that's all part of this expression of curiosity and really listening to what the passage is telling us. But we can also kind of see like the tone here. You know, you see that Ruth, especially when it says, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, that's kind of like covenant language. It's promise language. So we're having this solemn moment, apparently on a road to Bethlehem. And Naomi has just told her daughters-in-law to go back to their own families. And she's, she said to them, hey, like, it's probably better for you to not come with me because I have no more sons for you to marry. I have no one to go to. At least if you go home to your families, you can find another husband. So again, we know this from our other stories that we've been talking about the culture of the day that there, there really was no rights for women. They had no property. They had no vote. They didn't have money. And so being a woman was a dangerous thing to be and you needed protection. You needed a family around you. And so Naomi knows that. And so she says to Ruth and Orpah, her other daughter-in-law, 
go back to your own families and maybe you'll find a husband and then you can have children, you know, make a life for yourself, basically. And her one daughter-in-law listens and turns back. And then Ruth says to Naomi, go back with her. There's, there's nothing for you to be with me. And then we see this sort of covenant language coming out of this woman, Ruth, right? This young woman says to her mother-in-law, she makes what I would write down as like a declaration of loyalty, of commitment. And then specifically, we want to be interested in this idea that she says, your people will be my people, your God will be my God, meaning that this is a God that's different than Ruth's tribal gods, Ruth's own nationality gods, because she's declaring herself declaring fidelity to Naomi's people, but also to the religion of Israel. And so this is a big deal right here in this moment. And we get the sense that this is a turning point in the story because Naomi realizes that Ruth's going to go with her. So she stops trying to get her to not come. And that's kind of what we have going on. So obviously, hopefully this urges you on to want to understand more of the backstory here. So I'm going to give you a flyover of the story of Ruth if you haven't read it in a while. But if you haven't read it, I encourage you to go read it. And specifically, if you have your study Bible, you're going to have lots of notes that help you understand the real depth and why this story is so important that we're going to see here in just a minute. So like I said before, Ruth is a Moabite. She is not an Israelite. And so Naomi's sons have clearly married into other families, into other nationalities, and that's who these women are. And we know from the backstory earlier in the chapter that Ruth did not have children. So what we have left here is women in dire straits. They don't have any way to provide for themselves, and they now have no men and no male providers in their family. And so Naomi's doing what she knows to do to go back to her own town and to try to hopefully beg her way into some sort of life. But she doesn't she knows she has nothing for Ruth. And so it's a big deal when Ruth says, I'm going with you. I, I pledge myself to you. It's it's quite tenacious that she declares herself to be part of, you know, Naomi's family. Now I'm interested, you know, this isn't in the story, but you wonder what kind of woman Naomi was that had Ruth so drawn to her, so drawn to her people, so drawn to her traditions, and so drawn to her God that Ruth would have this sort of conversion experience on the road where she says, I, your God will be my God now. And I say this not just for now, but for life, like I'm, I'm with you for life. And so we see some themes in this story. So kind of what happens next, you got to go read it. It's so good. But what happens next is they enter into the town of Bethlehem and Ruth is going to go glean in the corners of the fields. We know elsewhere in scripture that God declared for his people that they needed to keep the margins of their fields. They needed to not harvest the margins. This is one of the ways that God makes immediate provision for the poor and the widow in his own way of setting up what it looks like to be the chosen people of God. You know, this is what all of these rules are about when we read in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is God saying, this is what it's like to be my people. This is how I'm setting you apart. And this is the way you're going to live as my people. So there's all of these stipulations and laws in those books where God is saying, this is how I want you to care for people, to care for the land, to respond to me. And so we may wonder, like, why is the Old Testament important? But we really do get this understanding of the way God desires to relate with us 
and how God desires for us to relate to the world and to people. And one of those ways is the way that he provides for the poor and the widow. And a very, very specific instruction that he gives the Israelites is you've got to leave the margins of your fields and allow the poor to glean on the ends of your fields, meaning they can follow your harvesters. Your harvesters pick up the main stuff, but they can pick up the leftovers. And so Ruth, as it happens, which is often the way that God tells the story in scripture, he's like, and it just so happened. And we kind of hear the narrator saying, that's God. You know, God is the one who's orchestrating these details. But as it happens, Ruth finds herself in the field of Boaz And she is gleaning and Boaz takes notice of her and he tells his workers, make sure that you do not harm her, take care of her, let her drink the water that we have. You know, he gives her more provision. So he sort of takes notice of this woman. And then later in the story, we discover that actually Boaz is a distant relative of Naomi and distant relatives. Again, God provided the stipulation that if there's a relative who a woman who is left without a husband Other members of the family need to take her in so that she can continue the lineage of her husband. She continue the family line. And so Boaz is a distant relative of Naomi. And so Ruth and Naomi hatch this plan. Really, Naomi hatches the plan. Ruth goes along with it to basically, in her own way, Ruth kind of proposes marriage to Boaz. She goes to his his field at night when he's um, on the harvest floor after the harvest has happened And they're threshing the wheat and she uncovers his feet, which is like a very bold move and says like, hey, cover me with your garment because you're our kinsman redeemer. And so Ruth stands in the place of Naomi, audaciously proposes marriage to Boaz, basically says like, Boaz, be the man that God's made you to be and redeem our family. And, you know, Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. So Ruth is sort of a sacrificial stand in for Naomi And then she has children that she dedicates back to Naomi's family line, if that makes sense. So it's almost like Ruth becomes this grafted in part of the family. Obviously, Ruth had no rights for a kinsman redeemer. Naomi had the rights. But Ruth sacrifices her life and herself on behalf of Naomi. Naomi sacrifices her life and herself on behalf of Ruth. And Boaz sacrifices his life and himself on behalf of both women. And it's this beautiful story of emptiness to fullness. So at one point in the story, Naomi says, don't even call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because my life is empty. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. 
Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. But at the end, here we have Naomi with Ruth's son on her lap. It says, Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, became his nurse, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And then at the very end of the story, we actually get a genealogy. So we begin the story of why we care about Ruth, because she's in Matthew chapter one. She's in Jesus's genealogy. And at the end of Ruth, we see David's genealogy, King David from the Old Testament. So this this whole concept of genealogy is super important. The story closes with genealogy, um, this kind of idea of fullness and all that is to come that will be through Ruth and through the sacrifice that she makes and through the way that she engages with her loyalty and her love for Naomi and then to Boaz out from there. So. That's the story of Ruth. It's worth reading. It's beautiful. There's so many little details in it that are incredible, but there are there's some themes in there that we see and we can ask ourselves now, like, what does this mean? What are the principles that we see here in this story? Why is the story in the Bible and why is Ruth chosen as a person to be magnified in Matthew chapter one? So I think what we see with these genealogies, the idea of Matthew chapter one's genealogy of Jesus And then the end of Ruth, this genealogy that leads to King David, is that we get this little micro story of the goodness that is to come. We get this little picture of God's sovereignty moving from generation to generation. And what I mean by that is that even when we can't see it, even in really dark times, because the book of Ruth is written in a very dark time in history, in Israel's history and in world history, just a violent, evil time. Yet in the midst of that, God is at work. In the midst of that, God is propelling forward his plan, his plan of redemption. And we are going to hear a little bit more about David next week. But we know that this is now this line following through that the covenant promises that God made through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are being pulled through this family line. And this family line is going to become the line that the Messiah is born from. And so we know, what does it mean? I think that we can see, and we have seen through these stories, God's extension of grace to outsiders. Rahab and Tamar and Ruth are all outsiders. They're not even Israelites. And yet they're the women, and they're women. <laughs> so so they've got the cards are stacked against them. And yet these are the people that God wants to show us are in Jesus's lineage, The second thing we see is that God moves in emptiness and fullness, that this idea that Naomi is empty and that her life is at such a bitter place, and yet God is still in the business of renewal, and that even when things seem dark and impossible and over, God is a God of resurrection life and a God of renewal. And I think we we definitely see that in this story. And then finally, when I think about what this means I see that God rewards faith and tenacity and audacity, and that's who we see in the woman of Ruth. 
we see her faith extended to Naomi when she says, listen, I'm going to stay with you. I don't care what's ahead. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I will be with you for life. She has the faith and the hope to join herself to Naomi. And then she's got tenacity. She's out there gleaning in the fields. She's trying to make a life. She's willing to be uh, and do bold things. And that's her audacity we see when she calls Boaz to be the man that God has created him to be. She calls him to righteousness in her actions on that night on the threshing floor. So we see that not only is God moving sovereignly and, and propelling history forward toward redemption, he's also partnering with people who are willing to step out in faith and to do things, do hard things, and to live by those values, because that's what we see for sure in the woman of Ruth. So what does this mean for you today? First, I just I would ask you to just take a minute and say, what did you need to hear today in this story? What stood out to you about Ruth or about Naomi or about Boaz today? Because that's what God has for you, that little thing, whether it's the fact that Naomi went from empty to full, that when her life seemed over, it was actually just beginning, that God had a whole nother chapter ahead for her life. Maybe it's Ruth's just strong commitment to her family and her to her faith and to doing the right thing. Maybe that's what you need to hear today. But be encouraged because God's not done even in your worst emptiness. And God is not done with you because if God wants to use these women and he wants us to know that these women are his chosen people that he wants us to make sure that we know are in Jesus's lineage then you better believe that there is nothing that you've done past present or future that can exclude you from God's grace the kingdom of God is for those who have hearts set on the Lord it's not for perfect people it's for people who are willing to say I want this God to be my God. I want to follow this God. I'm going to do it imperfectly. I'm going to stumble. But along the way, I can keep following the light of Christ. That's what we celebrate in Advent, that the light of Christ is coming. Have a great week, everyone. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace with abide bible sleep meditation you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on scripture to start listening now go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for abide bible sleep meditation you can also download the abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com